you come along with me Down the Mississippi We'll take the boat To the land of dreams Steam down the river Down to New Orleans Stand there to meet us Old friends to greet us Where all the dogs And the light folks meet Heaven on earth They call it Basin Street Basin Street Is the street Where the dark and light folks all meet Down in New Orleans The land of dreams You'll never know how nice it seems Or just how much it really means Glad to be Dear Serene On Welcome Street Dear to me Where I can lose Those Basin Street blues Glad you came with me Down the Mississippi We saw the place Where the folks all meet Heaven on earth They call it Basin Well, thank you very much. You're listening to WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. This is the Jazz Focus, and I'm your host, John Clark. Thank you very much for joining us today to listen to some more great jazz. And today, we're going to kind of be in the outskirts of, of jazz and big band playing, I guess. We're going to be listening to some of the early arrangements of Glenn Miller. Of course, Glenn Miller was known for the Victor Band, the Bluebird uh, recordings of his orchestra from about 1938 until uh, he went into the Air Force in 1942, and then in the Air Force Band before he was lost in a, uh, uh, a military accident in 1944. But before he put his own bands together, uh, he was a freelance arranger and trombone player in the Midwest and then coming to New York in the late 1920s. And he was uh, better known for his arranging skills and his trombone playing, which was fairly ordinary, to be honest. Uh, 
Uh, his arrangements were uh, quite interesting, and we're going to be listening to some of the first ones that he did for the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra, for Ray Noble and his American Orchestra, and uh, the first session under Glenn Miller's name, which used members of the Ray Noble and Smith Ballou orchestras. So we just started out with two tunes by the Dorsey Brothers, and these were recorded in August of 1934. And... Uh, this was a, uh, a group that had kind of existed uh, in the studios since the late 1920s. The Dorsey Brothers, of course, were at the forefront of uh, jazz and dance band musicians in New York. They were white players from the Pittsburgh area who were very technically adept. They had come up playing with uh, some very fine bands, the Gene Goldkett Band, the Paul Whiteman Band, before going out on their own as contractors and freelance players. Tommy, of course, was the trombone player, although he played very respectable jazz trumpet and cornet. And Jimmy was the reed player, although he played respectable trumpet and cornet as well. Uh, they had put uh, their own uh, series of recordings together, beginning about 1928-29, some concert recordings. They were obviously trying to uh, compete with Paul Whiteman in the symphonic jazz uh, lane, but uh, that didn't go too well. So they started making series of recordings of pop tunes for the Brunswick and some other labels as well. And they, uh, the two of them appeared together and separately on literally hundreds of recordings in the 19, uh, late 1920s and 30s. Jimmy Dorsey went uh, with the Ted Lewis Band and toured with them for a number of years. Uh, and uh, Tommy Dorsey basically stayed in the studios after he left Paul Whiteman. Together, they, uh, as I said, did the series of recordings, and by early 1934, they were convinced by the producer Tommy Rockwell to put together a permanent band to do radio shows and uh, to play at uh, dance uh, venues in the New York City area, and the Glen Island Casino was one of them. So we're listening to the first handful of recordings that they did um, for Brunswick uh, with a stable personnel. Their uh, recording career with this band started in early 1935, and they were getting going by the summer when uh, the first two recordings we heard were made. And we heard the St. Louis Blues, the W.C. Handy tune, and the Basin Street Blues by Spencer Williams. Both of these were older jazz tunes at the time, but they featured arrangements, we think, by Glenn Miller. It's a little hard to pinpoint what arrangements he did for this band, Possibly all of them that weren't just stock arrangements. He did quite a few jazz novelty things. Uh, he may have adapted some of the stock arrangements for the group. Uh, he was certainly influenced by a lot of uh, other arrangers and arrangements that were going on. Uh, and this was an unusually uh, constituted band, an unusual instrumentation. Uh, Ray McKinley, who was the drummer, said later that they were going for a darker sound, sort of to emulate the voice of Bing Crosby, who was the biggest entertainer at the time. So we heard on these recordings one trumpet player, a fellow named George Thau, who had recorded with Isham Jones Orchestra. He actually had been to Harvard and played in some of the Harvard jazz bands in the 1920s. Later, he ended up with Lawrence Welk and played a, a featured role in some of the Dixieland uh, broadcast recordings that that band made in the 1950s. He retired from playing in the 1960s, but stayed with Welk until he retired, I think, in the 1970s. But he is the trumpet soloist on these recordings we're going to be hearing. The trombone section was... Uh, three, actually. We have Tommy Dorsey, of course, who plays the solos, Don Madison, and Glenn Miller. So a three-piece trombone section. In the woodwinds, we have Jimmy Dorsey playing clarinet and alto sax. We have Skeets Herford and Jack Stacy both playing tenor sax, although probably doubling alto as well, but 
gave an even deeper sound to this band. Bobby Van Epps of the famous Van Epps family on piano, Rock Hillman on guitar, Delmar Kaplan on bass, and Ray McKinley on drums. And in the vocal department on Basin Street Blues, we heard Bing's younger brother, Bob Crosby, who was the singer for this band for a little while before he went out uh, to join what came to be known as the Bob Crosby Band. So we're going to uh, go on and hear a couple more, uh, three or four more tunes uh, by this version of the Dorsey Brothers Band. We're going to hear the old King Oliver, Louis Armstrong tune, the Dippermouth Blues, which was better known uh, in the swing era as the Sugarfoot Stop. But here it uh, sort of looks back to the older days and is called the Dippermouth Blues. I believe this is a Glenn Miller arrangement uh, that uh, was more of a transcription. We've done a podcast, uh, which will be, which may already be out actually by the time you hear this, of the first. Glenn Miller recordings under his own name, and one of the first things he did with his first uh, successful band was this same arrangement of Dippermouth Blues. Jimmy Dorsey also recorded later on with Louis Armstrong and without him, so it was all basically the same arrangement that I think uh, Glenn Miller probably had a pretty significant hand in putting on paper. We'll hear Jimmy Dorsey playing the classic clarinet solo. Then we're going to hear a little bit more of a modern swing arrangement. We're going to hear a two-sided version of Honeysuckle Rose from August of 1934, as were the first two tunes. Uh, Dippermouth Blues was a little bit later, February of 1935. Then we're going to uh, go on. Actually, I'll tell you a little bit more about the solos when we get to the break. And we're going to hear a version of the Weary Blues, the Artie Matthews jazz tune from the 1910s, kind of a ragtime blues tune. This is a Glenn Miller arrangement, and the flip side of this tune was Dee's Dem Doze, which was a Glenn Miller composition. I decided not to include that. It's not as interesting as Weary Blues, which shows off some very fine jazz playing. Then we're going to end up with a novelty called Annie's Cousin Fanny from June of 1934. This was one of the first dates to feature uh, Glenn Miller uh, and this particular band. This is a Glenn Miller tune that has a group vocal by Tommy Dorsey, Kay Weber, and Glenn Miller, and Glenn Miller takes the last vocal. He was not known for his humor, but uh, here we get uh, uh, an example of a, a light-hearted Glenn Miller. So those are our tunes for this set, the Dippermouth Blues, long version of the Honeysuckle Rose, Fats Waller's tune, the Weary Blues, and Annie's Cousin Fanny. <laughs> Thank you. 
Dorsey Brothers Orchestra was one of the first white swing bands. Uh, remembering this is in the summer and fall of 1934, and uh, a couple of those tunes were done even a little bit later. Glenn Miller stayed with that band through the fall, and then he was hired uh, by the British band leader and arranger Ray Noble, who was coming to America in early 1935 to put a band together for him. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So we started out with uh, Dippermouth Blues, which was from February of 1935. I said that was an early recording. That was actually a later recording. Glenn Miller had probably gone by that point, but as I said, I think that was his transcription slash arrangement. When he did it with his own band, he uh, added some riffs and key changes in there, but it was largely the same. We heard on that George Thau doing the uh, King Oliver cornet solo uh, on trumpet, three choruses of that, along with Jimmy Dorsey being featured quite prominently on the Johnny Dodds clarinet solo. After that, we went to that two-sided version of Honeysuckle Rose, which featured a lot of riffs and understated effects that were becoming quite uh, important as part of the swing tradition. And arrangers like Glenn Miller were, of course, listening to some of the black bands like Fletcher Henderson's and uh, Claude Hopkins, especially uh, in Miller's case, I think, on that arrangement of Honeysuckle Rose. The Hopkins arrangement uh, became better known when Fletcher Henderson recorded it with some adaptations, and there's some elements of that in this Glenn Miller uh, version for the Dorsey Brothers as well. And we heard... Uh, uh, from August 1934, George Thau again on trumpet, Tommy Dorsey on trombone. We heard Jimmy Dorsey on clarinet, 
Bobby Van Epps on piano, and Skeets Herford on tenor sax. And there was a very prominent uh, tenor sax lead, a three-piece sax section, two tenors and an alto at the beginning, the first chorus. And then Skeets stood up and sang in trio with Rock Hillman and Jack Stacey, I believe, and uh, doing a trio version of the lyrics to Honeysuckle Rose, which you don't hear too often. After that, we went, as I said, to the Weary Blues, which was an older style jazz tune uh, in a, an arrangement that Miller did, uh, that Glenn Miller, or, or rather that uh, Gunther Schuller would have called fussy. He used that term to describe some of Miller's early arrangements, but that was not uncommon for a young arranger. And that was from February of 1935 as well, probably uh, after uh, Miller left the Dorsey Brothers Band, or he may have been actually doubling between the Dorseys and uh, the Ray Noble Band at that time. Then we finished up with that cute novelty, Annie's Cousin Fanny, which featured vocals uh, to begin with by the trio. And then the first solo vocal you heard was Tommy Dorsey, then Kay Weber, then a couple of other players. I think Delmar Kaplan was in there. And we ended up with uh, the uh, You've Never Seen a Fanny Half as Pretty as Mine line by Glenn Miller, the composer and arranger of that tune. And that was from June of 1934, one of the early uh, recordings by this band. And again, all of these feature kind of an unusual instrumentation of one trumpet, three trombones, three saxes, voiced very low, and piano, guitar, bass, and drums. So now we're going to go on to that Ray Noble group. As I said, Ray Noble came over from England in very late 1934. He uh, was hired to front a band at the Rainbow uh, Grill, or the Rainbow Ballroom, I think, in New York City, uh, starting in early 1935. I think they may have opened on New Year's Eve. And he didn't have the contacts to put a band together, so he had Glenn Miller do it for him. Miller was already respected as, as a musical director, having been with the Dorseys and also done freelance arranging for Victor. Lopez, the Casaloma Band, and even Ozzie Nelson. And before that, he had uh, functioned as kind of a, an unofficial music director for the early version of the Ben Pollock Band and done some arrangements, although we really don't know which of those Pollock uh, recordings were his arrangements, so I've elected not to do any of those. Uh, for a while, after he left Pollock, he was playing in Broadway pits. He played for the Gershwin shows Girl Crazy and Strike Up the Band, and he may have done some uh, contract arranging for Gershwin at the time as well. He may have done uh, arranged the overture for one of those shows and done some incidental music as well. So Ray Noble had heard his name and put him in charge of putting this band together, and uh, Miller put together a really first-rate band. Uh, he had, uh, among others, Pee Wee Irwin and Charlie Spivak in the trumpet section. He played trombone along with Will Bradley, who was known as Wilbur Schwichtenberg at the time. Uh, in the reed section, he had Bud Freeman on tenor sax, Johnny Mintz on clarinet, uh, Dan D'Andre on alto sax, Toots Mondello played lead alto for them for a while. He had Claude Thornhill on piano. Uh, quite a few other musicians passed in and out of that band, but a really first-rate group, and uh, they featured some of the arrangements of Ray Noble, but the jazzier arrangements were definitely done by Glenn Miller. We're going to hear three of them coming up. Uh, the, uh, the selling point of that band was, the, of course, the presence of Ray Noble, but also the vocals of the British uh, South African singer uh, Al Bowley, who had been the star on a number of Noble's uh, earlier HMV recordings. And uh, Bowley had a long career uh, playing guitar and singing with a lot of different bands. Noble did not have a regular band in England. It was just a recording band. So this was one of his first attempts at having a, a regular uh, performing group. And as I said, it was definitely uh, Glenn Miller, who was responsible for putting it together. So the three tunes we're going to hear, we believe all were arranged by, ben, uh, by Glenn Miller. We're going to hear the classic bugle call rag, 
which goes back to the early 20s in the New Orleans Rhythm Kings, featuring breaks all around. We're going to hear Dinah, the uh, jazz standard from 1925, and then finish up with Way Down Yonder in New Orleans, which was uh, a, a tune that went back to the early 20s, but uh, didn't really make its presence known until probably the 1940s. But here's a big band version of it. And all of these were done in the summer and fall of 1935. So we uh, have a, a slightly later version. We can also remember that this was exactly the time that Benny Goodman's band was making their big hit at the Palomar Ballroom in Los Angeles, so the beginning of the swing era. This band was a little bit um, stylistically behind the Goodman band, which was using those great uh, Fletcher Henderson and uh, Jimmy Mundy charts, but we get a sense of a very forward-looking musical uh, policy done by Glenn Miller and some ideas of what his band was going to sound like in another three or four years. So following that, we're going to go, speaking of Glenn Miller, to the first session that was issued under his name. There are four tunes. We're going to hear the first two. We're going to hear a blues serenade, which was a takeoff on the Dvorak Humoresque, uh, composed by a whole bunch of people, Mitchell Parrish, Frank Signorelli, Al Grandi, and Jimmy Lytell in the 1920s. And this will feature a vocal by Smith uh, Ballou. And this was a, a group that apparently was backing Smith Ballou on various st uh, stage appearances, although it had a lot of the members of the Ray Noble Band, and this was from April of 1935. Blue Serenade, followed by The Moonlight on the Ganges, which was a pop tune of the day by Wallace and Myers. We're going to hear Charlie Spivak and Bunny Berrigan on trumpet, Jack Jenny and Glenn Miller on trombone, Johnny Mintz on clarinet and alto sax, Eddie Miller on tenor, two violins, Harry Bluestone and Vladimir Slinsky, Harry Waller on uh, viola, Bill Schumann on cello, so a whole string quartet, along with Claude Thornhill on piano, Larry Hall on guitar, Delmar Kaplan on bass, and Ray Baduk on drums. And that will be the band that we hear on those two tunes. So those are our five tunes for this set. The Ray Noble uh, American Orchestra doing Bugle Call Rag, Dinah, and Way Down Yonder in New Orleans. And then Glenn Miller and his orchestra, really a combination of the Smith Ballou and uh, Ray Noble bands, doing Blues Serenade and Moonlight on the Ganges.
on the Ganges, my little Hindu. When I whispered love's sweet melody, all our dreams and our schemes came true. Someday on the Ganges, I'll meet you once more, and I'll kiss you and caress you where the waters kiss the silent shore. have a tale of two bands, even though they were essentially the same band, the uh, Ray Noble band in both cases. Uh, we started out with some very jazzy arrangements. The first one, Bugle Call Rag, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if that was a, an example of the Glenn Miller style uh, of arranging or the Ray Noble style of arranging. Definitely uh, some clever orchestral effects, and Ray Noble was known for that in his arrangements for the new Mayfair Orchestra recordings in England. And I believe Glenn Miller probably learned quite a lot from those. I, I, I would guess he was familiar with them, and uh, presumably he and Ray Noble had conversations, so that might be an area of uh, investigation at some point, looking into the beginnings of the Glenn Miller style. We had a lot of breaks on that that uh, all seemed to... Uh, trace the course of the empire. We had Irish and Scottish and Arabian and all kinds of things. And then finally to America. And in between, we had some good solos by Johnny Mintz on clarinet, possibly on bass clarinet as well. I think he might have been the one to do that. Bud Freeman on tenor, uh, Claude Thornhill on piano, Ray Baduke on drums, uh, probably uh, Glenn Miller on trombone in that case, and Bunny, or rather um, Pee Wee Irwin on trumpet. And so after that, we went to a, a very intricate little arrangement of Dinah, which I'm pretty sure was Glenn Miller's. We had several tempos. We had the slow tempo that started out with uh, just guitar, uh, possibly Larry Hall on guitar, and Johnny Mintz on clarinet, playing a very lovely uh, version of, of, of uh, actually not a version of the tune, it was an improvisation on the chords. And then the mantle was taken up by Bud Freeman on tenor, who played a little more melody, but the rhythm section went into double time at that point, and then in the last eight bars, Bud Freeman joined them and then came to uh, be a much more lively arrangement at the end than it was at the beginning. The third tune, Way Down Yonder in New Orleans, featured Bud Freeman quite extensively. He was uh, well known as a, as a tenor sax soloist in white jazz bands even by 1935. Of course, later he went with Tommy Dorsey and then Benny Goodman and then uh, forsook the big bands altogether to just play in combos uh, following about 1939 or so. We also heard some very good Pee Wee Irwin and some more excellent Johnny Mintz on clarinet there. 
Then the two tunes by Glenn Miller and his orchestra from April of 1935. And I should mention Dinah was October of 1935, Way Down Yonder, June of 1935, and Bugle Call Rag, also October of 1935. So these uh, recordings, the two we finished up with, Blue Serenade and Moonlight on the Ganges, were done by members of the Noble Orchestra, which were also somehow associated with the singer Smith Ballou, who we heard on vocals on both tunes. We probably heard Jack Jenny playing trombone on Blue Serenade, and Moonlight on the Ganges, we heard a little bit of Bunny Berrigan in there on trumpet. We're going to finish up our show with a couple of tunes. In a Little Spanish Town, which was composed by Wallace Young and Wayne, Francis Wayne actually, in um, 19, uh, this recording from 1935, and then finish it up with a Glenn Miller tune called Solo Hop, which has a reduced instrumentation. Got rid of the string quartet and one or two of the brass, and we're going to hear quite a bit by Bunny Berrigan, a little bit by uh, Claude Thornhill on piano, but also Johnny Mintz on clarinet and Eddie Miller on tenor sax. And that tune is called Solo Hop. So we want to thank you for joining us and uh, probing the early days of the Glenn Miller arranging style before he founded his own band. We have a podcast of the next step in that uh, evolution with uh, the first recordings by his permanent bands. Take a listen to our podcast station, which uh, or our podcast, which can be found on Apple or Spotify, also called the Jazz Focus, or on our home, which is Anchor.fm. So you've been listening to WETF, the Jazz Station, South Bend, Indiana. This is the Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark. Thank you, and tune in again next week.
Thank you. 